0: Welcome to the Housetop Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Aber as he teaches God's Word. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to. Facebook Live, Oikos Ministries. Uh, We're a weekly Bible study. We're going through the book of Ephesians. I'm your host, Terrell Abair. Tonight we're going to continue a thought uh, from Ephesians chapter 3. We started it last week. We called that message last week for this cause. This will be part two of that same uh, theme. Ephesians chapter 2 seems to so much culminates in Ephesians 2 in this book. Ephesians is really a a great book, and and, and if I could just share a little background. I mean, there are so many quotable quotes in Ephesians. There are so many singular themes, and you could take each one of them, lift it off, and teach on it in just a wonderful, powerful, and I've done that many times, and many uh, messages have come from particular verses in here. But when you draw this book into a context, and especially understanding that the Apostle Paul uh, entered into a great warfare into the Ephesians church as he cast the demon spirit out and that great goddess Diana uh, that was the overall you know it's a we're from Louisiana if you're watching this on a national or international scale this uh this issue from uh we're from Louisiana Louisiana has Mardi Gras over in New Orleans this has been the Mardi Gras season matter of fact it ended yesterday yesterday was Fat Tuesday, and uh, when they celebrate and do these parades, and every one of them is named for some demon or some demonic entity or some creepy thing. But one of them is Artemis, which is literally the goddess Diana. and It was literally the same demon spirit that was over the Ephesian city or the city of Ephesus in in Asia. There, and so when we see this idea of of of, of uh, trying to uh, the warfare that the apostle entered into, and that we get the the idea of spiritual warfare from the book of Ephesians. And uh one other just for your information thought, when the Apostle Paul was finally arrested in Jerusalem, they claimed that he was in the temple with uh, uh Trophimus, an Ephesian, and uh literally it was what ended up costing him his life. He was, he ultimately was put to death over that issue. And so, uh, the, the fact is that warfare pursued Paul and followed him all of his, his ministry. And the reason I, I point out Ephesians is that without a doubt, the persecution in Ephesus would have made it impossible to have public temple worship. It would have been impossible. There would have been no way. And so if you would just try to understand, let's take the idea away that 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 the early church met in homes because it was persecution only. Yet yeah, that was there, no question about it. I personally believe that the persecution was a judgment from God because they failed to go the, uh, uh, to, to, from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so as soon as the persecution hit Jerusalem, they went to Judea, then to Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And so it was a fulfillment of what God commanded them to do as they received the Holy Spirit, that we're to go out and be witnesses. And so then they learned immediately after they were dispersed from the temple to begin to meet They met in the Apostles Doctrine Fellowship, Breaking of Bread and Prayer. They went house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and simplicity. And, uh, it was a wonderful way. They did church like this, predominantly like this, for 300 years after Pentecost. And so when we see that issue, there's something now you can you can certainly make a case and say uh, persecution him from meeting in the temple. Well, let's ask a couple of more questions or let's uh, suggest a couple of more things. Number one, why was the temple destroyed in 70 A.D.? All right. That was dispersed. Why hasn't it been rebuilt? Why did not the Jews build that thing back? Why has there? How do you even be a Jew now? They can't sacrifice. You cannot do the prescribed, uh, 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 sacrificial system. You cannot do that anymore. And so how could you even be a decent Jew anymore? So, uh, and I know there are many pointing right now, even this brand new, uh, prime minister or president that was just elected in, uh, what, what is that in South America? What's one of the countries? Um, he was just elected and he's a populist type leader and he said he, he's really looking forward to seeing the third temple built in in, in Jerusalem. I I, I, tell you, I dread that day. But the point being is that Ephesus became a model city that would be one that had no temple, but had dynamic worship and a powerful church. Uh, some estimate that the Ephesian church could have had over 50,000 members in it. And so there's no way they were meeting in a public arena. They were meeting house to house and the church was doing well. We have to begin to put our heads into this thing and say, how did the early church do this and why was it so successful? Why then did it ever shift back? Was that shifting back during 317 AD and the times of Constantine, was that a good thing or was that a bad thing? My contention and has always been is that it is a bad thing. And it, it, it blended the old and new covenants. And so if we could start from here right now and just kind of recap just a little bit from what we did last week. And move into what tonight's is, because the apostle Paul started chapter three. He said, "For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner," and he goes into uh, the the, the uh, uh, kind of a recap of what he had said in chapters one, two, and three now of Ephesians, and in particular, he calls back the fact that he made mention of the mystery revealed. And so, I remember years ago when I was a baby Christian reading. The mystery, and I got all enamored with the idea of mystery. Ooh, I want to know mysteries. Well, the mystery reveal was simply this: that Jew and Gentile now would worship the same God. That Jesus, but because of what Christ had done, that the Jew would God was no longer the exclusive God of the Jews. Now He was open. All who wanted to come to Him through Jesus Christ could come. This was the phenomenon, and I tell you that every one of the old guard, all of the Old Testament. Uh, religious builders fought against the idea of Gentiles coming to Jesus. They fought this. And if they were going to make that concession that they could, they had to be circumcised and keep the law. That was the, the, the battle that raged on in the early church. And so, uh, the paradigm shift for this cause, the Apostle Paul was describing a huge paradigm shift as the New Testament was ushered in that the idea of temple worship would be Uh, would begin to fade big time right then. And we would begin to move into a new paradigm. The old paradigm, a person who wanted to worship God went to a building where God resided and Engage God in that building okay now in the New Testament God moves into the person and we become a worshiper from within God is in us don't look out God wants to move inside of you he is truly Emmanuel God with us and that's what we have to begin to see the huge shift now is that God lives in me I don't go a building the most high does not dwell in temples made in hands there are no holy buildings anymore there's only holy people And the devil's done wonderful things to confuse this and to literally build. Let me tell you, there is a demon of the traditions of men that is so hard to break. I know because it was in me. And I've known it. Every person that we've dealt with in house church has to go through these wrestling matches. We think we want relationships till we get in them. And they become so difficult because the devil has done his work to separate us and to make us non-relational. As a matter of fact, when we try to display the kind of love that the Bible says display, by this shall all men know you, are my disciples, by the love you have for one another, that people begin to oh that's cultish that that's just cultish to to love uh people like family go oh, come on man this is what christianity was about and the kingdom come the kingdom come is that the holy spirit will fill the heart of every person who submits himself to the king jesus and he then is enthroned on the uh, uh throne of your heart and the holy spirit moves in there and you have communion with god and you're a 24 hour Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year. You are one big worship center. That's what Christians are. Now look in chapter three. He goes on as he gets to the end of chapter three. And I want to point out something before I move too fast uh, about the end of last week. Moses went up into the mountain of Sinai and he received the Ten Commandments, but he also received something else. He received the, I mean, absolute instructions on how to build a tabernacle, a portable worship center in the wilderness. And, and and let me just say this. I would have more thumbs up on anything portable like that uh, a, as a building than anything else that we do. The idea that we could move from place to place and still uh, have a gathering, I, I have no problem with that. The biggest issue is, though, that God does not... Go in and live in a building. That's not what he wants to do. But God continually told Moses, you go read this in uh, Exodus 25 and following as he gives the instruction. Uh, be careful to build this according to the pattern that I gave you in the mount. And here in the New Testament, we have not taken care to have a New Testament building paradigm we've done we just i mean basically people just go out willy-nilly and just say whatever works we use pragmatism whatever works to fill up a building we'll do that and we'll call it church and this has been a terrible terrible precedent set and we've filled buildings call them churches and they're no more filled with christian people than the man in the moon Okay. So the next part of that is Jesus took Peter, James, and John into a mountain. And as they went into the mountain alone, as they ascended up to meet with God, God met them there and Jesus was transfigured before them. That literally he began to glow. The, the, his, uh, his garments became shining white and he was filled with God. Man, the glory of God just enveloped him. And there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking to him concerning his death and encouraging him. You can do this. And uh, all of a sudden, Peter, James and John uh, woke up from asleep and they said, hey, Lord, it's good that we're here. We can make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah and one for Moses. He said, no. He said, <clears throat> the, the, I mean, God showed up and just said, no, 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 no. This is my son. Hear him. <coughs> Excuse me. And so w- we have that cleared up right then. Let's get Moses and Elijah out of our mind let's get tabernacles out of our mind. We're here to serve Jesus. Hear him. Hear him. Hear the word of God and be transfigured by that word of God through repentance and faith. Be transformed by the renewed, transformed, transfigured, are the exact same word, I believe this is the New Testament pattern that one believer after another is redeemed in an encounter with God and they are changed. It's called being born again. It's not just uh, getting infant baptized. It's not just saying a sinner's prayer. There is a powerful encounter with God that transforms the person from sinner to saint. And folks, this has been just totally taken off the table. And now people are just saying, all you do is say this prayer or have something outwardly conferred upon you. And we call that Christianity. And it is so far from biblical. I can't tell you how far away this is. And trying to explain it is tiring. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's, it's exhausting to try to explain it because tradition has people. Literally, it's like two demonic thumbs in your eyes, blind as a bat, Because all you can interpret everything through is what you've already experienced in some dead traditional church. And even if it's a lively, jumping up and down, charismatic, singing and a hooping and a hollering, it's still tradition. And it's still based on a Constantine structure that is non-biblical. Well, Let me put it, at least it's non-New Testament. Now, tonight, let's pick it back up. We're in... Verse 14 of, of chapter 3. Again, let's Paul, see, Paul ran a rabbit. He started in verse 1. He said, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner. And in verse 14, he said, for this reason, or this cause I, Paul, I bow my knees. Now, he's, he's, he's run the rabbit and he's coming back to it. He's coming back to what he was going to say to start with in chapter uh, 3, verse 1. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, I'll just make mention that right here, the word family is the only time the word family is used in the New Testament. And it's the family of God that literally the whole family of heaven and earth is named. Through Jesus Christ. I mean, so when we say when we qualify which God we're serving, I worship the God and father of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has changed me. And now I am named with him. When you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, you get a new identity. And if you're not changed to the point. Look, I don't care what formula. Listen to me, UPC Pentecostal. I fuss at all other. So here, let me get you this one. What name were you baptized in? Did they say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or did they say the name of Jesus? Man, I could tell you some demon-filled Pentecostals who were baptized in the name of Jesus who are just devils. Okay? I'm talking about absolute I've I've met nicer people in the dope house. Now, just as simple as that. Forget you what I ain't arguing with you about what let me tell you when you get baptized when my life is so immersed into Christ that now I am known with him by his name let me tell you something Terrell A. Bear used to be known as a whole lot of different stuff and, and look a lot of people say a lot of stuff about me let me tell you one thing though everybody gonna identify me with one there's one name that I'm gonna be identified with before the conversations with because all I'm gonna talk about is Jesus I have been identified with him for 42 years. I am immersed into him. I have a new identity in him. Hallelujah. That's what forget water. I couldn't care less if you ever got baptized in water. But if you get immersed into identity where now it's not about your old reputation or cleaning up your act, turning over new leaves. No, you die and you become a vessel that Jesus inhabits. And you're known as one of Christ's men. Come on, man, or women. Both can happen. All right. For this cause, I bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Who are you named with? (sighs) That he would grant you according to the his riches of his glory. Now, look at that. That God would grant a prayer. Paul said, I'm praying to the God and father of my Lord Jesus Christ who gives the name to the whole family, the kingdom family. We're in the, the, the privileged place. This is the house of God, the family of God. Those who have been born again and born into the kingdom of God. That is the family of God. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He would grant to you. He would give to you. He wants to give you something. He wants to give you He wants to grant a petition to you according or in keeping with his power, his glory. Look, look what, look at the petition that you would be strengthened with might through the, his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God, uh, Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at this petition. This whole petition isn't. I mean, look, if the temple worship was that important, why didn't he say that 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 God would fill your building with himself? And when you go there, you'd feel better. Don't you know in the new covenant now we are the temple of God? I don't go to church to get full of God. I go to church because I am full of God. I bring God with me. I'm not drumming it up and trying to get God. When I go to church, God lives in me and has been living in me a long time. Your folks, we he said, I will walk in you. I will talk. in. you, I will be your God. You will be my people. He said he would live in you. He wants to dwell in you. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer. He said, Man, let's clear this up. The huge paradigm shift is that God does not dwell in Herod's temple, Solomon's temple, the tabernacles of, or, or of Moses. He dwells in men. He's building himself a house. And it's a it's it's those who he has. Brought into the new birth, who begin to be intertwined relationally in love, and that when we come together uh, in, in in that assembled love, where one joint and every joint connects, and that the spirit of God becomes a it becomes a dwelling uh, a place or the habitation of God. Oh, this is I wish you could see it. Yet, let me tell you how we can't see it. We pour gazillions of church money wasted every day. Throwing it down the hole into buildings that are absolutely unnecessary. Proved it for 17 years now. Unnecessary to have a building. Absolutely 100% unnecessary. You do not need a building. Now, I hear a moaning and groaning everywhere. I love to read the comments, not that they affect me. I love to read the comments for this reason. It's amazing to me how many people jump on my comment threads and start talking about, well, you're telling people not to assemble themselves. I want you to hear me carefully. Let's put it a context. Every time I address this camera, it's because I am. To- I have one pointed target audience. It's the lost sheep of the church. I'm talking to the one million a year that are fleeing in masses, droves out of traditional churches. Thank you, Jesus, that they're leaving. As a matter of fact, I do plead for a little small group inside of the existing traditional churches because the Bible says come out from among them and uh, come out from among Babylon. Come out of her, my people. And I believe that God wants to take the lost sheep of the church, those who have left the churches for whatever reason, as long as they're not apostate, those people who are sitting along saying, I can't go back with a good conscience to these silly things. I'm not going to watch money squandered. I'm not going to watch it wasted on buildings and, and listen to silly church politics and, and foolishness of that or be a, or, or a boring sermon that is irrelevant to anything. or, or It's so relevant, it's not relevant. I'm not going back for psycho babble. I want to worship Jesus. I want sincerity of faith and true worshipers alongside me. Folks, I'm pointing at these kind of folks. And you say, well, you, te- you can't forsake the assembly. And somewhere in somewhere in, in the deceived traditional mind, you think that, that you gotta go to that building to assemble. Have you ever bought a jigsaw puzzle? And you looked at that box and there's a beautiful picture of what that puzzle will look like assembled. Folks, that's an assembly. But you open that box and it don't look like that. What you have in there is a gathering unassembled. And I'm telling you today, there are many churches full of gathered pieces that are unassembled. There's a lot of people who go to church every Sunday, walk through the door every Sunday and Wednesday night who are not assembled. They just gather. Big difference huge difference as a matter of fact I don't believe you can understand your New Testament by trying to interpret it through the traditional structures you're in right now when I got out of that structure and began to operate and function in the in in the apostolic pattern the Bible became a brand new book to me that's why you think I'm a heretic because you I don't agree with you and uh, you know we, I, I would just ask what David berceau asked will the real heretics please stand up? Because I believe the real heretics are in the orthodox manner of New Testament traditions. They're the real heretics. There's about 2.2 billion of them right now. Actually closer to 2.5 billion. So let's keep going. Watch this carefully. Here's the prayer of Paul now. Here's the New Testament prayer. He said that Christ may dwell in that you would be strengthened with might in the inner man. How come folk in church are right now just as they look just like the church, like the world? How come there's not some distinguishing mark that you would be strengthened with might according to his power that works in us? That the divine power of God would work inside of man and there would be some deliverance folks from anxiety, from fear, from depression, from drug addiction, from sexual addiction, from perversion. It would be, we would be distinctly different because of the inner working of the power of God in the heart of man. A transfiguration in the heart, the mind, that we would be different because the word of God would transform us. Hear him and become the tabernacle of God where God is pleased to dwell in you. A holy sanctuary. But as long as we believe the demonic confession, oh, we just, oh, poor sinners, we just sin every day. Well, then you're going to be a sinner. According to your faith, just sin every day. Go ahead. Folks, hear me. God wants to do a mighty work in this new paradigm. He wants you to come to the mountain alone with him and transfigure you. Hear me now, you cycling sinner. Hear me now, you defeated person who just get defeated, defeat after defeat. You want to go with God, but you keep getting defeated. Man, go into the mountain and don't come down to your change. Meet with God till he strengthens you with might in the inner man, according to the working of his power till he fills you with his glory. Let me tell you, when Moses and all the people put that tabernacle of of witness together out in the wilderness, can you imagine? There's that white fence around the rectangular tent and you come to a Altar of sacrifice. They'd kill an animal there. Then they'd come to a basin where you'd wash. And then you'd go into the holy place. And there was the showbread to your right and the, the lampstand to the left and right before instance of prayer right in front of a curtain. And inside was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark was the the pot of manna uh, and Aaron's rod that budded and the Ten Commandments. And God would meet with his worshipers there in the revelation, the lamp illuminating the daily bread. And you would worship God and pray to him. And now, folks, in the New Testament, look, when they erected that structure in the wilderness, when Moses walked in that place, the glory of God fell. And the pillar of God, the cloud of God covered the place and it was filled with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Solomon built a temple. This extravagant, extraordinary. uh, He took it a thousand times further than what God told Moses. And he took it, elaborated on it and made it of gold. He made it this gorgeous, big, ornate facility. And there was a sacrifice that's unbelievable that took place. And when it did, the glory of God filled the temple. Old covenant, folks. It's a wonderful thought, but it's amazing to me. Uh, the New Testament. We're acting like the glory of God's filling our buildings. This is a holy place. That church—that's a holy church. No, it's not a church. It's the building's not a church. And people say, "Well, we know the building's not a church, really. We know that." But welcome to the house of God. I say, as soon as I get there, we're in the house of God now. It's not a house of God. I'm a house of God. You're a house of God. People, we are the temple of God. And when we assemble with other believers, be it two or three, there's a powerful thing that takes place that God promises he would manifest his presence among us. Man, don't squander your money not on one more unnecessary temple. Cook a meal, have your folks get together, eat lunch at the table and talk about Jesus. That's more church than most folks will ever experience. Stay with it that to be strengthened with might through his spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. In the inner man, let me tell you about the inner man, it's the spirit of man, your human spirit, which is intricately entwined with your soul, your heart spirit. Or it's an interchangeable word. The, the spirit of man. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit now. I'm talking about you, your spirit. Jesus said in the, in the new covenant. Well, uh, the word says that a new heart and a new spirit will I give you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh. And but this is the new birth. He, we, that stony heart is taken out at the cross where we're killed with Christ. We die with him and a new heart is put in us. All right. And we become tender toward the things of God, and He puts His commandments in our heart where we want to do them. It's not a, a restrictive, uh, uh, "Oh, I can't have no fun no more because I got commandment." No, I, I live now, folks. I live. The commandment is life and safety. It, 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 it literally is about comfort that God governs me. Such peace. Now, look, folks. Strengthened with might in the inner man, by his spirit in the inner man. The Holy Spirit enters the spirit of man and the spirit of man is also intertwined with the soul of man, which is our mind, our emotion and our will. And so here in the strengthening with might in the inner man, look at that. Look, according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might, strengthened with might strengthened with dunamis. In other words, inside of me, I become strong with the power of God in my inner man, that my soul becomes strong through God, my heart, my soul becomes strong, my mind, my emotion. Folks, this is a real impacting manifestation it's not some uh, pie in the sky futuristic uh well when jesus we see we did now we just uh you know we just old sinners now but when jesus come back he's gonna take us to heaven we'll be better no hear me this power is now it comes into you now and changes you now and strengthens you now. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Somebody needs to come on out of that addiction. Somebody needs to come out of that cycling sin. Somebody needs to come out of that perversion. Somebody needs to cut You right now needs to come out of that depression, that fear, that anger. You need to get saved right now and let the Spirit of God begin to work in the inner man. And instead of trying to find God in the temple, let God find you in His temple and strengthen you from the inside out. Come on. Oh, Keith Green sang that song. Rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon me. I've been born again. Come on, man. Strengthen with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your buildings. No, in your hearts. Through faith. Now, let me tell you something, folks. It's all done through faith. In God's Word. When the Word of God tells me this, and this is what I want you to hear tonight, somebody, you can lay hold of this by faith tonight. What I'm declaring to you from God's Word, you can pull it right into you. See, faith pulls this right out of heaven, right into your heart. It ain't far away. Don't say it's up in heaven. Don't say it's down below the sea. Don't say it's somewhere else. Don't say I got to go to the revival over here or to this preacher over there. You ain't got to go nowhere. It has to come into you. The kingdom is within you. And God, by faith, faith pulls so hard, just like the woman pulled, touched the hem of his garment. Faith pulled, came out of Jesus into her and healed her body. It, faith pulls so hard on the promise of God that it begins to transfigure and transform you. Hear me, you desperate sinner. You who are just, have just been defeated again and again with religion. Hear me today. Just sit where you are and say, God, help me. Come into me, deliver me, set me free. God, come to me now. God will hear you by faith in God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. I'm preaching the word of God to you tonight. Believe God and let it happen to you. If it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Don't believe it for somebody else. Believe it for yourself. God wants to come into you. He wants to save, heal, deliver, transform you that Christ may dwell, live, set up shop. He wants to live in you. Being rooted and grounded. Here's those two types of terms again. We keep seeing them over and over again in the New Testament. And I talk to you builders, hear me carefully. Rooted and grounded. Rooted is an agricultural term. Grounded is a building term, an industrial term. Rooted Man, when Christ's word begins to root us like a tree planted by the waters, the living waters, the roots go deep, grounded. The foundations of God are grounding you. You're not tossed to and fro. You're not being literally just whipped around. Boy, I love it. In, uh, in Louisiana, we have those big live oak trees. And I think about all the hurricanes that have hit our state. And, I, and, these, and these live oak trees are still there. They've lived through all of them. Famous big hurricanes that wiped. And there's those live oaks still standing. Come on, I believe God wants to make us those kind of oaks. Stay with me. Christ wants to dwell in your heart through faith that you, that you. Somebody say that you, me, that me. Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Somebody got to change their thinking. Saint is not a select few people who are extra, extra goody two-shoe Christian. No, saint is the normal term for a Christian. It just means holy. When people start a sentence, well, I'm no saint. Well, I don't have much to hear from you about your theological debate. Are you just proud? You just don't. No, 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 no. I just know what I what. I'm not going to make some uh, false confession, some fake humility. That's false humility. i can tell you right now, God has called us to be holy. Saint means holy that I have accepted the invitation to become to set apart from this world. I'm set apart. Why wouldn't I? God moved into me. I don't want to. I want what God, has. I want the, I, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth is it, I want heaven, but I want it right here on earth. I don't want to try to party with the world right now. I want, I want heaven now in me. That we may be able to comprehend with the saints. You see, I think there's so many of you don't comprehend anything to do with what real Christianity is about because it's not portrayed from the pulpits and you're not read the word. You've not understood the word comprehension where you fully understand where a revealing of this takes place inside of you. I can tell you this all day long until it's revealed in your spirit. Nothing changes. Watch this. This is so cool. Comprehend with all the saints. What is the width, the length, the depth and the height? Now you say, well, what in the world is he talking about? And go, go study. Hey, you ever get? If you're one of those who reads the Bible through in the daily readings, you get to those places where he says, "And get all these materials together for the temple." And he starts getting stuff ready. Then they start talking about put this and that and this one, and this socket to that socket. And boy, you're trying to read. You flip a few pages. Oh yeah, here's something better. Been there, done that. I know what you're talking about. When you don't get it, you don't get it. Well, God goes into intricate details on the measurements of the tabernacle in Exodus. God goes into super duper detail also in Kings whenever Solomon is going to build the temple. Then he goes into some redonkulous de- details in, in the book of Ezekiel. Man, they start measuring stuff in Ezekiel. And you go, whoo, chapter 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46. Oh, whoa, whoa. And they measure everything. What is the height? What is the breadth? What is the length? What is the depth? In the book of Revelation, John goes into great details on the measurements of the temple. Let me tell you something. There ain't no more temple here. Our temple is in heaven where God sits at His throne and Jesus is at His right hand. And let me tell you right now, the only temple that God honors on this planet is in your heart when you submit to by faith of what's up in glory. That we might understand what's the height, the breadth, the width, the length. Let me tell you, the depth, that the, the, the size of the expanse of this, it's bigger than anything you could ever dream of. Let me hear you something, mega church pastor, you can't compare. Let me tell you something, Pope, you can't build nothing and not even kind of close. Everything we hear is we're sitting here. We've been given the antitype, yet we want the types. Boy, if we quit looking at the types and look into the things of God, maybe you'd begin to see what, what Stephen saw. As they were throwing rocks at Stephen. He's about to die. He saw heaven open. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. What? That's what we need to be looking at. Now, that we might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Okay. You ever get, you catching that? To know what passes knowledge. There's no way to know it, but he wants you to know something that passes what is humanly understood. This powerful revelation and that's the only way it can come folks we can try to explain it till the cows come home till Jesus comes back but I want to tell you straight up when God reveals this into your heart you begin your knower begins to work the divine knower that the love of Christ when it fills your heart it begins to explain things that I have oh I wish I had a thousand tongues to describe describe it When the spirit of God, peace that passes understanding, love of Christ that uh, I want you to know the love that passes knowledge. There's no way it can be explained. It's unexplainable that this thing of God, when it fills your heart and it fills you with the glory of God, it goes past every human experience known. It's the glory of God living inside of man. The day of Pentecost, 120 people up in an upper room praying, send the promise, Lord. And then suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house wherein they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it rested upon each one of them. And they began to speak with the Holy Ghost. as the They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. The worshipers were filled with God. And the glory, they were filled with the glory of God. They were transfigured that day. This is New Testament. I love to hear people, well, tongues ain't for today. And, uh, you know, the tongues passed away with the apostles, you know. And, and I don't know, not no. see, the Bible says, does all speak in tongues? No, no, that's not, not all speak with tongues. I love to hear people who don't talk in tongues trying to explain talking in tongues. We wouldn't accept that from anybody else. You have to have expertise to, to address the subject. Well, that's not for today, so we have no, well, I don't, somebody needs to explain it to me then. Why do I talk in tongues? Hmm? Oh, it must be the devil. Why would the devil keep me holy for 42 years? Huh? Great devils here, huh? It's just, it's just foolishness. You don't know the word of God. You don't understand it because you have a preconceived notion that tongues ceased. My Bible says, forbid, forbid not to speak with tongues, yet here they are. Folks, we need the glory of God. We need to be filled with the glory. That is the Holy Ghost living inside of me and you. This is, look what it goes on to say, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When I preached on this just recently from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, when we when we enlarge on that idea of fullness, that we would be filled with God's fullness, you can go back and look at this on our website and, and, and it, it, you can hear this whole video through there. And I, I want to tell you, It became the first reel that ever took off to where we had over 40 something thousand views on it. And I'm going to tell you, people are interested in it. And here's why. Traditions are failing. Religion, external religions are failing. And you can go into what they call holy buildings all you want. and You come out unchanged, unscathed, undifferent. What's the point? After a while, why did I get dressed up and go down there for that? But you can get along with God. You can get in the Word and get in prayer. And all of a sudden you can get with other believers and you get filled with God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He wants you to be so full of Christ tonight. Paul said, for this cause I bow my knee. Look where it culminates on that you would be full of Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to live inside of you. This is a big difference from external religion. This is a big difference from you trying to go in and make yourself holy externally. This is a big difference when internally, in the inner man, Christ fills your heart. The love of God fills your heart and it begins to move all throughout your soul and changes you till it changes the way you act. Think, talk, walk. It changes you into a divine expression of God's glory. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you something. As I was really focused in on these last parts of this word, that to him who can do exceedingly abundantly above, as I stated, it's so difficult to communicate this up against the wall of tradition. But I believe that wall is coming down. I believe that wall is dissipating. It's, it's, it's literally, it's being weakened. The wall of tradition is losing its strength because the multitudes are leaving. They're just not going back. Now, folks, if we can see this, If we can begin to say, wait a minute, maybe the Bible, maybe we've misinterpreted things because of our tradition, trying to apply what we, you you want to see it get clear. Wait till next week when we start. this. When we start applying ministry, we're going to see a difference. So until then, go pursue God. Get along with God. Get your word, get the Bible, get along with God. Say, God, I have failed miserably in religion. But God, I I want the inside of me, come into me, live in me, take over in me. Be a new day, folks. God bless. Have a great day. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.